All right, after a bit of a break, we're back racing, and this time it's World Champs. So we're back with your Maxxis Tyres pre-race show for this huge week in Fort William. Maxxis is synonymous with racing and is the name that comes to mind when you think of performance. It's no surprise that they've won more than any other brand in the history of World Cup and EDR racing. No matter where or how you ride, Maxxis has the tyres for you, with a wide range of tread patterns, casing and compound options. On my enduro bike, I'm running the DHR2 Max Terra double down on the rear, paired up with the Asagai Max Grip up front in their slightly lighter XO Plus casing. The downhill bike has got DHR2s front and rear, both with their DH casing and their super grippy Max Grip compound. Both of those setups work awesome for me. Also, the team got their Max's shorties out for the mud at National Champs recently and took home a fifth and a third place. So they're definitely working well too. You can check out the entire range of Max's tyres over at maxis.com and find the tyres at your local Max dealer. You can also give them a follow on Instagram where they're at Max's bike. All right, World Champs is here and I'm sitting down with Chris Kilmurray to find out about the changes to the Fort William track, the new World Champs schedule, the differences in rider support at this event and much, much more. So without further ado, let's sit down with Chris Kilmurray for our Max's Tires pre-race show for World Champs 2023 from Fort William. Chris Kilmurray, welcome back. Uh, World Champs Week. It feels like a long time since we last chatted. It's been quite a break, eh? <laughs> I was just about to say it felt like I never left. <laughs> okay. You can't well, escape it. I've got yeah, unrequited love for either downhill racing or you, one or the other. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Well, what, what have riders been doing with this time then? Because there's been quite a lot of options open to people as far as rest recovery racing like there's been quite a lot of different paths that people have taken in the last sort of five six weeks yeah crazy uh, depending on i suppose geography um where you're from uh what country you're from how you're when your national champs were some of the national champs were straight away after val de Soli, some of them were two weeks after some of them were just um the weekend gone uh, so three weeks, pretty much after after the last World Cup. So I think depending on when your national champs were, depending on whether you wanted to do Crankworx Whistler, uh, depending on what your fatigue levels were like after, you know, we had three World Cups uh, in four weeks, but some riders were on, you know, five or six races back to back almost, depending on whether they, they did Crankworx Innsbruck and pre-season racing. So I think, yeah, huge mi mixed bag all around um, in terms of how people approached it. And um, from what I've seen in here in Morzine uh, on on plenty, especially that there's plenty of uh, World Cup level downhillers that are just lapping it out and enjoying having a break. You know, lots of talks of occasional gym sessions and intervals, but lots of laps <laughs> going down as well. So lots of opportunities to get faster or get injured. It looks like so. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Opportunities to close gaps, though. People that have found gaps in performance or fitness or technique in the first few races. Like it's an actual amount of time to get some work done on that sort of stuff. Is that fair? Yeah, I suppose depending on how the riders in question are, you know, what their evidence and their understanding of their performance gaps are. Um, you know, obviously you got your results from the races. You can see how much time you're losing um, per sector, per minute, per race, how, where you're lose, losing it, who you're beating, who you're not beating. So everyone's trying to compare to their peers. I think most riders have an idea of where they should be or where they want to be. And especially for the elite men who've got a deeper field than the women, um, a good idea of like who they should be around, like what bracket they should be in. So whether you're in your bracket and, you know, meeting or exceeding your expectations or not, I think it definitely, that peppers your... Um, 
your approach to how hard you train, how much you train and what you train in between the races. So just as much as your scheduling and travel between the races is a mixed bag, I think how people approach their training is a mixed bag. Um, you know, you might, you might have gone and forgotten all about how much you got smoked in, in Val de Soli by because you had to go and, you know, um, get your uh, brain in gear for hardline, for example. It's easy, easy to forget that you got smoked when you're worried about not dying, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair comment. Well, let's, let's talk about Fort William specifically. It's a venue that I think most mountain bike fans know pretty well. We've been there every year for what feels like forever. It's also hosted World Champs back in 2007. Yeah, um, 2007. But I've heard rumours of some change uh, this year to the track. Do you know much about that? Any insight? Um, so from what I've heard, I've had a, a good um, um, a good little bit of info from here and there from people involved on in building the track. Obviously, riders I work with and coach and know who raced the BDS there way back in May um, saw some of the changes, kind of the beginnings of the changes uh, being marked out and worked on. And then there's been a few social media images shared of the torrential June into early July weather in uh, Scotland. Um, I think further down your way in Wales has been just as bad. Yeah. Um, so it looks like they're definitely uh, working hard and up against it in terms of solidifying their changes because of how wet the weather's been. The motorway got a full kind of rebuild, redesign, but that's taken a turn for the worst because of the weather. Um, so from what I understand, we're starting at the original Starkit. So right, right at the top, the, the eye or whatever it's known as. Um, and that there was there was rumors going on that they're going to start further down, you know, on the boardwalks or after the last boardwalk, going into the pinball section, start there, kind of similar to how the races would have started back in, you know, 2002, 3, 4, 5, whatever. Um, but that's not going to happen. Now we're starting at the, at the normal start gate, so we're going to get the full four minutes of abuse. Um, <clears throat> the second and last, second to last and last boardwalk, which are pretty famous and much kind of loved by the riders, as long as it's not windy, but much loved by the riders because you get a, a short break before you drop into the uh, the pinball section and, and end up doing two minutes of just rocks and turns. Uh, so those boardwalks are out. And if you watch, uh, for example, Loic Bruni's helmet cam from the BDS there in May, uh, as he comes on to the uh, last boardwalk, or, in, or second last boardwalk even, if you take a look at the left-hand side of the screen, you'll actually see some small yellow flags in the uh, in the heather, in the bog. And that's, from what I can gather, that's where the track's going to go, is down that direction. So we'll cut off a, a few metres, get rid of the boardwalks, and drop straight in kind of just at the beginnings of the pinball section. Uh, okay. So, yeah, interesting. For, uh, further down then, near the deer gate, um, the famous deer gate section, um, where we have the newer version of the track, which peels right. The original version of the track, which we used a variation of last year, uh, goes left. Um, we've got a brand new section there as well, which from what I've seen looks really, really good. Lots of kind of banked corners, uh, almost berms, we could call them. <laughs> they might not be berms by the time practice is finished. Um, uh, rocks, some some holes filled in. So I think, you know, they've... They're in the process of, you know, trying to give the track as much of a freshen up as they as they ever have, or more than they ever have, in the hopes of, you know, the practice making the racetrack as opposed to just arriving to an absolutely clapped out track. Yeah. And then I think, yeah, wood section is going to be completely different. Um, from what I heard, um, it's going to be straighter, faster, straight run into the Red Bull Road Gap uh, drop off thing, as opposed to the the very tight, slippy, awkward turn, turn, turn. Um. 
And then beyond that, I don't really know, but they have resurfaced below that, which we did see at the BDS. That resurfacing was already done. And having having spoke to some of the riders who were at the BDS and raced there back in May, they said it definitely rolls a lot faster. So I think, yeah, um, solidifying the changes and actually how it rides and runs is going to be uh, weather dependent in the next 10 days. So fingers crossed. Yeah, and uh, the weather forecast <laughs> for the UK for the last feels like forever has been rain every day um yeah and uh, we're recording this a little bit earlier than normal so we are more than a week out from the event but the long range forecast has rain all week on and off um is that i mean normally that would be a good thing for fort william but if we've got a lot of fresh work and a lot of uh, kind of new dirt is that maybe not quite such a great thing Honestly, I don't really think like yes. So a bit of bit of moisture definitely holds the uh, the gravel sections together, holds the uh, the loose kind of man made, man brought in dirt uh, down and makes it just less skatey, makes it more predictable under tire, which makes you know it's easier to go faster the more predictable a track is. Um, so normally, yeah, a bit a bit of moisture definitely helps. Um, last year, for example, visibility was an issue. Wind was an issue in finals. If you watch Amory's winning helmet cam, you can see and hear how windy it is. And I think the the, the helmet cam kind of loses sound occasionally because of how wet it got. <laughs> so, um, yeah, there, there's pluses and minuses to, to moisture in that place. With the new track, I think the, the bottom line is the riders are used to racing pretty shocking conditions, both weather-wise and track-wise in Fort William the last while. Um, you know, when you go, often when riders go to the British national races out of there or SDAs to kind of just like do a run and go, oh, wow, this is, this is destroyed. Um, oh, well, just kind of deal with it, you know? So I don't think it'll be at that level of, um, destruction for world champs. It's, they've definitely put a huge amount of work in. So I think regardless of what the weather does, it's going to be probably the best it can be. Um, obviously the wetter it is, the quicker things will degrade. Um, so yeah watch this space some unknowns yeah. which is which yeah some definitely watch this space some definite unknowns so yeah that's good though eh? it keeps it fresh do you think any of these changes to the track are going to make much of a difference to kind of the general demands of fort william as a as a track or a venue to race on maybe a bit shorter time wise yeah potentially maybe one of the shortest fort williams we've had in in a few years or ever, potentially, you know, well, with the, the new layout, with the new start gate right at the top of the, the gondola. Um, there's definitely potential for that, especially if the woods are straighter, especially if the deer gate section is just smoother and faster, especially if the wind isn't there. Uh, we've not raced here, you know, in, in July, August um, since, maybe since forever, maybe. I didn't check actually the stats on that, but if we've de we definitely, you know, the historic weekend is end of May, start of June. Uh, for the World Cup there. I can't remember when 2007 World Champs was, but that's almost irrelevant. It's that long ago. Um, so, uh, yeah. We'll, um, we'll we'll see. Yeah. What about key, key sectors? Like the motorway always seems to differentiate people and you know, that seems to be quite a common theme. Like the last sector makes quite a difference mm. to, to quite a few venues actually. And the motorway is obviously key from like a timing and speed maintenance perspective. Um, what are your thoughts on key areas for the riders to be focusing on? Yeah, like last year, if, if you check the, the you know the spread of, of pace across the different sectors last year, um, it's it's pretty it's pretty crazy. You know, um, it was easy to lose time at the top um, wind wise. Uh -huh. um, it seemed that way anyway. You could get just unlucky with the direction of the wind, or you could really risk the biscuit, like say Thibaut de Prella did, and and you know win the first sector. 
Um, second sector then, as you, as you come onto the pinball section, you get into kind of the meat of what Fort William is known, known for, which is the, the really rocky, wild kind of section underneath the gondola as it you know traverses and crosses through the open. Uh, lots of rocks, lots of potential for natural kind of step down gaps. Corner speed is critical because the corners aren't great, and you can, but you can definitely can carry exceptional speed from turn to turn. So that section then that's that's kind of you know that solidifies your your loss or your or your victory really, and it's it's the guts of two minutes long. For the women, it's two minutes long. For for the men, it's just under that. Um, so. Yeah, that's that's kind of where you have to be good. You don't have to win that neck of the woods, but you have to be right up there if you want to win the race. And then below that, we got the woods where there was some huge variation in times last year. And not, even not all of it was in the woods. A lot of it was actually kind of going through the fire road kind of between the two main left and right wood sections. And for whatever reason, the variation in, in pace through there was massive. So I think it was super easy to make a mistake, dab a foot or just over break because of the ruts and, and the... The, the roots and the moisture and just lose huge chunks of time and then like you said we get further down we get into the pedally stuff the high the kind of high speed but very flat um, sections that kind of wind their way through from the wall ride section through the woods over the Hazard Hoofer River Gap um, through the nearly uphill woods which brings you onto the the big bridge into the hip onto the motorway so those last two sectors which are, are quite short um, again there is big time to be made or lost there um, in, into you know like three or four seconds for the elite men over over 40 seconds of track which is huge you know especially when it's not particularly technically demanding so it's that strategic element well the tactical element of managing the whole run um, not getting fatigued uh, or not even feeling fatigued even though you are or aren't and just try, trying your best to really put down you know like big purposeful pedal strokes and just do a really good job in the lower sections and you know Benoit Coulange did an exceptional job lower down last year he was at one stage he was almost four seconds back on Deprella um, and near the top you know kind of say Deergate section he was probably the guts of four seconds back on Deprella and then managed to get within I can't remember what he was exactly he was like half a second 0.4 from Deprella at the finish line you know so there's there's time to be gained and lost the whole way down and it's it's a really interesting, it's it's almost unique now. You know, people compare it to Mont because of the duration. But Mont is a touch steeper in spots. It's definitely easier to go faster in spots as well in Mont Um And it's just it's just a different challenge. So Fort William is kind of unique now, yeah. Yeah, it looked like at the BDS they'd maybe simplified some of the start of that lower section. Like I think the stump gap that is yeah. a relatively intimidating feature certainly for some riders has gone do you think that like the simplification of the run into that motorway section might put people a little bit closer is that an area where people will find this some difference or is it all about like timing and pedal versus tuck and stuff like that on the actual jumps yeah it's, it's like the, the well the, the ability to actually get torque through the cranks is super important so actually being able to pedal strongly uh, is definitely a differentiator uh, in both in all the categories, but definitely in the elite men's. Uh, and then doing it in, in such a way where you're not getting offline, you're still keeping the tires in the hard patches, you're not getting squirrely. You'll often see people come off, you know, the left-hand wall ride uh, in the woods and try and get on the pedals too late or too early and lose a lot of time. So I think the simplification um, for the women's category and the junior categories might, you know, narrow the gaps and just pull things together. For the elite men, I think the simplification is just going to allow those who are more physically prepared or more t 
tactically capable uh, to do an even better job. So it might not actually change, you know, the positions, but it may just change the the gaps between the positions. It's going to be super interesting to see how the whole track, the changes to the track, the weather, and the fact that it's World Champs and all World Cup um, affect the entire the entire kind of tactical and strategic element of the whole week, you know. Yeah, yeah, and like you say, it is a World Champs, not a World Cup. That brings with it some differences. One of those is that. Um, nations can bring and do generally bring like their own support personnel uh, like trackside etc etc analysis blah 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 the french are especially kind of well known for that i guess at, at world champs mm. like they, they bring quite a team of people um how does that sort of thing work especially let's say for a team like specialized gravity for example where loic's going to have that french structure around him and then Finn and Jordan get whatever Canada and the UK bring, which is going to be different. Does that insight, like, does that tend to get shared? Does it depend rider to rider? Like, how do you how do you see that whole like support structure working in a team with mixed nations? Um, I think first off, logistically, um, across many levels, Fort Williams a challenge. So if we talk about like the track layout itself, just the size of it. Uh, and the potential for exposed weather and that sort of stuff, uh, meaningful kind of purposeful analysis is actually a challenge up there, uh, especially because in the upper sections, there's not really much to separate riders and the separation just comes from better bike riding and a better setup bike. So, you know, winning sector one or sector two is, it's all about doing an exceptional job. It's not about being on the sneaky line or having, you know, something kept in the bag or having someone do better analysis for you or whatever. It's, it's like... In that sense, it's very much a, a rider's track is because it, it rewards exceptionally good bike riding. Um, and then on the next kind of layer to that, logistically, Fort William is a nightmare because the accommodation is, generally speaking, quite far away from uh, the venue. Um, you know, anything from, say, 10 minutes to 25 minutes, depending on where you're staying. So I think, you know, historically, for example, the British team and the French team, they'll do a lot uh, through WhatsApp groups now, they'll do a lot of analysis that way. But historically, there always would have been like a, a debrief in the evenings, so a very kind of alpine ski style. Get the whole team together, juniors, elites, get the whole national squad together, get them all into a room, uh, get some video up on the on the television, get some side-by-sides potentially or whatever people are trying to analyze and compare and say, look, this is faster, this is faster, he or she is faster here, whatever, whatever. I think that sort of thing is going to be a logistic nightmare for some for some federations, um, but for others, like say Spain and Switzerland, I know, for example, um, for world champs, you're selected by the, the Swiss Federation or the Spanish Federation. You have to stay at the accommodation that the National Federation book. You have to, you know, wear your National Federation kit all week long. You got to, some of them try to make them wear it during practice, which for the top level riders is definitely not cool seen as the national federation don't put their hands in their pockets once <laughs> other than making you go and stay in some dingy accommodation <laughs> um so i think yeah like you've kind of pinpointed the this kind of uh, juxtaposition of national federation help versus your standard week in week out um support structure you have from your trade team from your professional team it's definitely for some of the riders an interesting one and i you know i've been around long enough now i've seen maybe say 2014, 15, 16, 17, that period, a lot of the riders are kind of like, no, no, I definitely want to see what the national team can provide. I want to, you want to get involved, na, na, na. And then as, as the sports progressed, as things have got more professional, it seems that, you know, the riders are kind of just like uh, tactfully and, and um, in the nicest way possible saying, look, yes, I know you're here to help and definitely send me clips on WhatsApp and, you know, put me in the WhatsApp group or whatever and we'll, I'll discuss and 
chat to whoever's trackside or whoever's you know running the show for the national federation but primary primary focus is keeping my structure as close to world cups as possible you know because that's what yeah. you know in and out so i think and then like you said i don't know individual teams like if if the french federation share something with bruni does he tell finn does does how much do bruni and finn share normally i think they share a lot more now than they have in the past so who knows you know that's that's up like we've said often on these pre-race podcasts that's totally up to the individual riders and teams isn't it yeah and i i guess riders now have a lot of riders have trackside support and logistics and feedback that maybe you know that was unique to just world champs back in the day but now most teams have that that like staffing available anyway so maybe it's less of a differentiator than it has been in previous years maybe yeah yeah definitely i think it's less so people are getting more savvy now in terms of what they analyze and how they analyze and potentially knowing when and where it's useful and as well as that just you know thinking off the top of my head i know previously riders ex-riders or ex-professionals or people who have experience doing you know the trackside kind of jobs um who have worked for national federations in the past have now been picked up by teams um and are working for you know professional teams this season so i you know whether the professional team keep them on for world champs or whether the the national team try and re-poach them uh who knows you know so there's I suppose there's a relatively limited number of 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 people who can actually do the job and do it well. So yeah, we don't know. Well, I'll I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, watch this. Space. I get dad cam out trackside. I'll let you know. Uh, watch this space. Yeah, I'll send some spy shots from trackside. <laughs> cool. And an- another thing that's changed is the format, right? So World Champs has always been a different format. World Cups this year have gone to a new format with the addition of semis and all the changes there. But uh, World Champs didn't want to be left out, and they've also changed their format. So it's a, a format that we've we've not really seen at World Champs before. Can you just take us through what's different? Yeah, it's it's quite interesting. So we've seen preliminary schedule, um, which from what I gather is give or take confirmed, but it's still written as preliminary on there. So I won't kind of put all my eggs in the basket. Uh, But basically the big change is that we don't have the gap between qualification day and race day that we have had in the past. So, you know, previously it would have been qualies Friday, uh, race Sunday or qualies Thursday, race Saturday, like we did in Leger last year. Um, so that gap in between that day, which definitely caught a lot of people out, you know, people have got injured on that day, people have kind of over or under road on that day or let, you know, changes in weather conditions kind of affect them mentally, that sort of thing. So that gap's gone. So in that respect, it's closer to what we're used to in terms of just a quick turnaround from quality day to race day. Um, however, obviously now with the addition of semi-finals at World Cups, World Champs is a totally different beast yet again. So we have a qualification day where, you know, it's the old, old World Cup style where top 80 uh, men qualify top uh, 40 women or something crazy. Um, there won't even probably be 40 women entered, you know, top 60 juniors, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot of people, you know, qualifying is not a particularly challenging task. Um, so qualification day, straight to race day, obviously no semifinals. And then the next change is the practice structure. So there's been a lot of debate at the World Cups about, you know, modifying practice schedules at World Cups to have a more fair and level playing speed or more equitable playing field for the juniors and the women's because there's big gaps in practice where the track changes a lot. The women don't get to see the track. They get hunted down, et cetera, et cetera, by the juniors early in practice because the juniors have already done half a day's practice. So kind of unknowns to us, um, those sorts of issues seem to have been... um, thought about by the world champs organizers well before world cups even started um and they're going to try and give juniors uh ladies 
uh, separate practice kind of windows. So smaller practice windows where you need to be on the gondola at a certain time and there's a last lift and a last start at a certain time. So juniors track walk before elites. Elites have a separate track walk. Um, junior women practice for a little bit on their own, then all of the juniors together, then elite women. So we've got these little brackets and bands of practice where juniors and women practice together, but sometimes junior women are on their own, elite elite men are on their own. So yeah, there's definitely going to be um, keen eyes in the schedule. But um, I think everyone's super interested to see how it works out because it's the kind of thing that could definitely help kind of level the playing field and make the racing and the riding better at the World Cups as well. Yeah, but means riders and teams have got to be just a bit more organising on the ball I guess to make sure that they're hitting those slots and in the right place at the right time maybe a little bit less room for kind of relaxed approach to practice or not yeah definitely uh, very little room I think with the length of the track the potential for bad weather um, the amount of fans that may or may not be on site uh, that sort of thing and the length of the gondola it's a long one it's about 14 minutes or more even uh, it could be up to 16 or 18 if it's running slow because uh, of because of wind, so the, the gondola itself is quite long. So I definitely I'm foreseeing some uh, heated debates with commissars at the bottom and the top of the gondola. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think you're definitely there's you know on the preliminary schedule we have there's last lift leaving at you know last run at. So I think the the potential to get refused at the lifter at the start line is pretty high. So it's just up to riders and teams to be super super smart. Yeah, yeah, and that that whole sort of almost too much practice problem that we've seen at world champs in the past do you think that's that's gone now um depends how many laps you've done luckily the track's been closed actually because historically you know riders would have done the bds at fort william and then potentially have come back for another little little go at it before the world cup which would, which would have historically only been you know a month after the bds um whereas now we've had the bds back in may and now we're you know we're going racing end of july start of august so um yeah, I, I think uh, it'll be less of an issue, the, the extra practice, it'll be less of an issue. And now that we don't really have the extra day, um, it's going to be an even smaller issue. So I think, personally, I just think it just makes for better racing, full stop, you know. Yeah. Less thinking, less faffing, just get the practice done, get the analysis done, get the qualities out of the way and go racing. Sounds good to me. So we were, we were there in 2007 for World Champs. Well, I wasn't there, but... We, as I was a sport, there. we were there. You were there. <laughs> yeah, um, I was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The men, the men's top three was Sam Hill taking the gold, Fabian Burrell silver, Giatha and bronze, um, and it was looking like we were going to see Sam back racing there this year. But unfortunately, that wasn't to be. It's it's a bit of a shame, eh, that that we won't see Sam there taking the start. Is uh, is Fabian the fastest? Still the fastest of those three at the moment? <laughs> <laughs> Potentially, yeah. the oldest and the fastest. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Amazing. And we're yeah. also missing another, like, more recent Fort William specialist. Amory Piron's kind of owned that place the last few years, eh? And uh, it's a real shame that, that Amory won't be there for World Champs this year. Yeah, re- like, like he is the current king of Fort William. You know, he's won so many. He won his first um, World Cup there, if I'm not mistaken. Um, has dominated pretty much every race there since he won that race there. So, yeah, it's a, definitely a shame. And then we've got, like, perennial... Uh, BDS winners but World Cup failures like Danny Hart and Laurie Greenland who could definitely light things up uh, this time around you know um, home world champs the first ever world cycling games technically even though Fort William's quite far away from Glasgow um, so big home support there so yeah shame Amory's not around uh, Laurie I don't know if he's suffering from effects from concussion or he's another injury but he's definitely not been on his downhill bike and kind of just rehabbing it looks like um, Danny Hart, be interesting to see if he can finally get a victory in Fort William, which would be, you know, outrageous. 
Um, so yeah, it's a, that we've definitely got a few interesting kind of unknowns around around injuries. Like Greg Menard, probably the the true king of Fort William Amory, is trying to take take the title the last couple of seasons. But um, Menard has always been able to turn it around, you know, and had one of his best results of the season last year. And he's definitely been on the back foot at the last few World Cups this year. And he's looking to turn that around. So, you know, can he do it, get himself another medal or even crazily get himself another victory? You know, who knows? Yeah, we were debating at the weekend whether the English or the, sorry, the the UK team could uh, replicate what happened in France last year with a, with the French one, two, three on the men's podium. Hmm. We, we thought that might well be possible, right? There's, uh, you know, Danny, Matt Walker, Laurie, Charlie. There's there's definitely a good bunch of hmm. fast UK-based riders that uh, could lock that down. Yeah, absolutely. All of those guys have have um, have done really, really well there in the past um, in terms of just pure results. And, you know, like Matt Walker and, and Laurie Greenland were on the podium last year. Uh, third and fifth, respectively. So there's there's definitely the the potential. Um, I think for for some reason deep down inside, I think it's less likely than the French triple. I don't know. I don't know why. Um, but I think it, it's definitely less likely potentially because Fort William is just such a hard beast to tame, you know. Yeah. Um, but anything is possible. And like we've said numerous times, um, our people often say world champs is just a different. For all and every reason you can list, it's just a different beast than a World Cup. So you can often get some strange ones, you know. Yeah, and the current master of like that one-off event in the men's field, I would say, is Loic Bruni. He's shown how good he is at winning world championships, but become a bit of a specialist. But Fort William and Loic don't really seem to get on super well. Is that fair? That's 100% fair. He'll tell you that himself. He'll sit you down and tell you he hates it and he never wants to see it again. <laughs> uh, last year, um, had a bit of a freak um, crash, kind of an odd one for Loic. Um, broke his collarbone on run two or three of the week. Um, and previous to that, he's never really, he's had a huge crash in 2018 or 19. We're off the hip jump before the motorway. Um, should have disappeared in a helicopter to the hospital, but got away with it. Um <laughs> So yeah, he's not had the best look there and he's not made the best look for himself there and he's never really been, you know, been particularly strong in, in any of the sectors or it's, it's a really strange one, that one for Loic. So yeah, uh, interesting one. He's, he's had similar kind of look and results in Valdesoli as well. Um, and they're quite yeah. different tracks, but they have, you know, some broad similarities in terms of just how demanding they are. So yeah, I really, really, I'm really interested to see how you know because he is he is the the personal hype master in the Stargate at World Champs. You can never count him out. <laughs> like you, you literally when when the rainbows are on the line, like you just you'd be a fool to count him out. So I'm yeah. really excited to see how he does. Valley Valley Hall is kind of not in the same situation. She doesn't have as much experience or as much race time there as Loic has in Fort William, but she's never you know really had the best time there. She's um you know she lost. One of her only junior races she lost in her junior career was there. She had a crash and Anna Newkirk beat her um, in 2018, was it? Yeah, I was going to say 17 or 18. 18, I think. Yeah, it might have been 18. Did she win every race in 17 and then didn't win that one in 18 or, or vice versa? Yeah, anyway. she lost two in so the Valley's second. So Valley's not had... Ah, right, okay, there you go. Yeah, so Va- Valley's, you know, you know, crashed there last year, pretty substantial crash there last year, quite high up. Um, so she's not had the best look e- either. So I think really, you know, the, the on-form riders, uh, Jackson's obviously uh, still dealing with the effects of surgery post-appendicitis. Um, Finn has tweaked a, a thumb apparently at Crankworks. Um, so there's a lot of the current hot hot favourites who have 
or world champ specialists slash hot favorites from World Cup form that haven't had the best of times in Fort William. So I think it being world champs and the way things have kind of panned out the last three or four weeks, we're in for an exciting race. Andy yeah, Cole definitely. would he'd be my secret, my secret five euro bet. I think if uh, yeah, that wouldn't surprise if me. I was Jordan, five euros. Yeah, Jordan goes super well there. Matt Walker yeah. seems to be like on really good form and also goes well at the fort. Yeah. Like he just took national champs in the UK by like half a second over Danny, but both of those guys look like they were on top form. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's yeah. there's an, a tricky uh, a tricky one to bet on. And yeah, in the, in the women's back in 2007, the race was won by Sabrina Jonier, uh, followed by Rachel Atherton and Tracy Hanna. Um, and we will be seeing Rachel back this year, which is insane yeah. to think, really. Um, she had an incredible start to this season, taking the win at Lenza High and a third at Gang, and then has kind of gone back home to focus on on training, I guess. What do you think to Rachel's chances in the fort? She knows it super well. Um, if Again, if anyone can turn on at a World Champs, that her Lenza Hyde World Champs run was one of the most insane runs I've seen. Like the commitment that, that Rachel put in on World Champs Day is, uh, is pretty hard to beat, I think. Yeah, phenomenal. That uh, that Lenzer Hyde um, race run from 2018, um, you know, Tani was second and Rachel put in a huge chunk of time into Tani that day and I think Rachel just really literally risked everything that day. Um, still the fastest ever woman's race run in comparison to the, the men's winning time as far as I'm aware. Okay. Um, so, yeah, that's that's how fast you can go if you really, really do risk it all. I don't think she'll ride like that in Fort William, and I don't think riding like that to win Fort William is actually possible just because of the duration of the track. Obviously, you know, she won Lenzerhide um, and did an exceptional job in Gang, but both races she faded quite hard near the end. So time-wise, you know, some big time gaps lost a lot of time in the lower sections of both of those races. And they're two quite different races, and, you know, a lot of the riders said Lenzerhide it was quite a lot more fatiguing than... Um, than Leo Gang, for example. So I think, yeah, depending on how well she's trained and everything else in the interim, like everyone knows that she's definitely most certainly a medal, medal contender and a rainbow stripe contender. So there's plenty of other girls that are definitely out to try and stop that happening. Um, you know, Nina Hoffman and Camille Ballanche, Valley, Valley Hull and Tane, Phoebe Gale, first year elite, you know, definitely podium capable as is Gracie Hemstreet if she's, if she's not injured. Um, so what a yeah we're in we're in for a massive treat really to be totally honest yeah, there's so definitely. many there's so many strands of history history and youth and current form and unknown form and everything else kind of mixing together you know after after a four week gap that I'm just excited really yeah definitely well Nina's been carrying that knee injury for the first few races of the mm. season and uh, I saw yesterday I think on Instagram that she's like able to squat fully now without any support on the knee. She's obviously had some time to let that heal and, and do some work on that. And we know she goes well at the fort, right? She won the last World Cup there. She's won the last two BDSs there. Like it's a track that Nina really gels with. And I don't, I don't think we've seen the best of Nina yet this season. So a definite threat there. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, still kind of to a point like an unknown, an unknown quantity in terms of consistent performances mm-hmm. at this level. You know, like she'd, she'd probably say that to herself. Uh, and I definitely think, you know, she was quite unhappy in, in you know, Val Soli as well with how her race run panned out. So I think she's still figuring out her own race craft given her, her pace at the moment, given how much she's improved in the last kind of three seasons. So, yeah, one, one of the favourites for sure for the race, whether she can pull it all together, whether the knee is still an issue, whether she'll deal with the whole world champs kind of atmosphere and vibe, uh, you know, 
to be confirmed. So yet again, just excited to see how the racing pans out, you know. And hopefully, like for her, for um, Gracie Hemstreet, for anyone who's carrying a niggling a niggling injury, um, hopefully they just kind of yeah get, get themselves in the healthiest position possible for racing. Yeah, definitely. And then there's there's a a wild card there with Hattie Harden making the team selection. Oh, yeah. So Hattie's been putting in some downhill laps this year. And, and it's gone pretty well so far and uh, just took national champs uh, as well in the UK, um, beating uh, Tani and Phoebe to to the sleeve. Do you think um, you can kind of go super well at Fort William with the limited amount of like track time and experience that Hattie's got there? Like it's a venue that seems to take people a couple of years at least to like get under their belt to kind of learn the track. It's a, it's a big undertaking, right? If you've only been mm. once or twice. I think, yeah, like in, in a roundabout way, Hattie is approaching um, this season similar to Rachel in some ways. Uh, in that World Champs was definitely a focus of it. You know, doing Lenzer Heide was, was to get selected for a World Champs team. Um, same as National Champs. And, you know, I think Enduro is kind of, it's not that it's an unknown quantity, but, you know, EDR is kind of developing and no one knows where it's going to go in the next, say, five or ten years. So I think Hattie is just exploring all her capabilities and options and to go from XE champ to cyclocross champs to downhill national champ and everything else in between. It's just amazing, you know, and she, she's an exceptional bike rider. Um, I think the kind of diverse experience that you get from multiple seasons of EWS racing is invaluable. It really does help you like be able to deal with any terrain that a world cup offers. It's just learning how to ride terrain at that intensity is what you need for world cups. Um, so I think that the general demands of Fort William, the duration the lack of steepness. So we're looking at 18% average gradient versus say 25 for some of the World Cups like Leger last year, World Champs last year. Um, so I think those sorts of things definitely play to Hattie's favour. Uh, where she was considerably you know, faster than say Tane uh, at British Champs the weekend gone past was definitely um, the flatter sections where grinding out some purposeful pedal strokes was definitely important. And Tane felt like she just didn't you know, capitalise on you know putting pedals down when she needed to basically um, whereas Hattie just clearly did the exact opposite and I think I heard people say trackside that Hattie was doing a better job than the vast majority of the main in terms of you know getting the pedals in and putting down purposeful pedal strokes so I think Fort William is the kind of track where if, if Hattie can figure out the, t the upper sections and minimise the deficit there she can do exceptionally well yeah. yeah exciting stuff man well yeah like you say we've got like new people coming in we've got the youth we've got riders that were there in 2007 so many people people capable of uh putting themselves on the podium or on the top spot that it's it's super hard to call so yeah it's going to be an incredible weekend of racing i think and uh yeah super excited to get stuck into it so as always thanks for sharing your wisdom and your time and uh we'll see you trackside with a midgenet uh, and an umbrella <laughs> ready to get stuck in in a little while good good you're reminding me actually i need to get the midgey net out i've got a few buried away here somewhere i need to dig them out and i need to uh apply some fresh extra water repellent to the fox jackets and ponchos and uh i think i've i've got extra um waterproof pants to dig out as well and so yeah i need i actually need to get the whole kit bag ready for all eventualities you know because i'm one of the years there 2017 i remember it was like 25 or 6 degrees celsius so fingers crossed for a bit of that hopefully yeah we're going into battle all right cheers chris and we'll speak to you soon thank you 
All right, that's it for this Max's Tires pre-race show with Chris. I really hope you enjoyed it and you're excited to watch World Champs unfold this week. A massive thanks to Maxis for supporting this season. Maxis have incredible tyres for you, no matter where or how you ride. So head over to maxis.com or visit your local Maxis dealer and check them out. Here are a few other links that might be useful to you too. Downtimepodcast.com forward slash follow so you don't miss an episode, forward slash shop to support the show by getting yourself some merch, and forward slash EP if you'd like copies of our lovely print project, Downtime EP. If you want to help support the show, then you can set up a regular donation over at patreon.com forward slash downtimepodcast. As always, spread the word and make sure as many people as possible are listening. That's it for today, but until next time, get out and ride.